Hello, Pastor Lisa Bates Froyland here from Redeemer Lutheran Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Welcome to our third season of the Redeemer Lives, Redeemer Lives podcast. The first two seasons used an interview format to explore the pandemic lives of several wonderful people connected to the ministry of our small, diverse, and mighty city congregation. This season, we wanted to offer a more portable way to take in the weekly preaching and music at Redeemer. Listen, as I do, to tons of podcasts while driving, walking my dog Titus, folding laundry, washing dishes, you get the picture. For the fall months of 2022, join us for our series, Peter, Paul, and Mary, as we follow the scriptural impact of three early Christian figures, Peter the Rock, Paul the Pen, and Mary Magdalene, the Tower of Our Faith Tradition. There is a narrative arc to these three months and perhaps some surprising twists and turns along the way, leading us to deeper questions about the decisions that were made along the way that have left us with the church in its current form. Not only that, but perhaps in these past leaders, we might see a way forward. And now, here's the sermon. Welcome again to October, the month of Paul the Pen. Paul the Apostle, the one who was transformed by a meeting along the way with the risen Christ in a vision, he wrote a lot. He traveled a lot. He looms large in our Christian tradition, even to today. And there are a lot of different feelings about Paul and attitudes about Paul and the legacy he left behind in the scriptures negative and positive. And I wanted to clear that up first and foremost, that many of those verses that have maybe been slung at some of us, one has been slung at me a few times about being a pastor in a woman's body, for instance. Many of those come from the letters that are attributed to Paul, but that many scholars think were not actually written by Paul. They were written in a manner of Paul as if they were from Paul. There is a big 50 cent word for this, pseudepigrapha. Isn't that fun? Pseudepigrapha, which I have, you know, that pseudo is kind of, you know, in the guise of, disguised as. So I've always thought pseudepigrapha is a great word because in this case, it seems like Paul can sometimes be a pig. in regard to women and to other people um, who are other than the categories that he thinks makes for the best Christians in some of these letters. We could have been talking all this time about the story of his transformation and the 10 years that he took after that big moment where he was thrown from his horse by the bright light It was 10 years before he started doing the preaching and the teaching. I think sometimes we think he got up and immediately started doing that. He took some time. We could have spent, as our friends at Christ Church Mequon took the whole summer to talk about the travels of Paul um, in the book of Acts. But with our five weeks, we are going to look at key passages in what are called the undisputed letters. Quite certain these came from Paul's pen. Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and so on. Why was Paul writing letters? 
Why do you write a letter? Anybody still write letters? Maybe a few of us do. There's usually something specific that you need to write about. You don't write a letter just to write a letter. It's usually in response to something that has happened. So these letters of Paul were directed to particular fledgling, little, um, but growing communities that had Jesus at their center, especially about the problems that they were having, the places where they were having disputes with one another. And he was trying to clear up those, those problems um, between people in the community. And also, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul writes, I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. What I think this could mean is that what he writes in a letter to one community, he may not have said to another community who is facing other problems and have had other issues in mind. We get the whole collection, but think about it. Would you like every person to be able to write, to read each private letter you sent to someone else? There could be some problems with that. Maybe we should update and say, would you want everybody reading every text that you have sent to each person? Probably not, probably not. I've heard it said that you should caution yourself and only write texts that you would feel comfortable with everybody reading. So we get to the letter of the day, Corinthians, and the community that was building at Corinth. This was a specific group of people that were interesting because it was a blended group of people. Many of them had been pagans before. You saw that referred to in the reading that Isaac and I did. Um, Many of them also were wealthy and people of privilege and deep education, and they loved knowledge and they loved to think themselves wise. But at the same time, there were also people in that group at Corinth who had been slaves or were still serving as servants, who were workers in the area too. So it was a bunch of different kinds of people. And that's why you see Paul writing about you are baptized into one body. You all have something in common. The issue here was that there was a rising up of competition over whose spiritual gifts were the most valuable and who had the greatest amount of any spiritual gift. And so that's why you see Paul writing, yes, in any group of people, we need the presence of all kinds of spiritual gifts and it's not a competition. It's not a competition. In Christianity, it's not about pedigrees. It's not about who's the smartest or who's the wisest. That's good news. My favorite verse, as I teased you about in my Friday letter, here's my favorite verse. It's underlined in your bulletin. To each is given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Manifestation, another 50 cent word, which simply means it becomes real in a human being. It becomes real in a human being, a manifestation. This, is, this verse is good news for several reasons. One of them has to do with that passage that I pulled from Numbers, where Moses is miserable with the amount of work he feels like is all on his shoulders. Many hands, 
many spirits is an answer to the frustration of Moses in that reading. And also later on to Jesus, who we know also experienced great fatigue at the healings that he was doing and wanted to withdraw, take some time away to rest, get in a boat and go across the lake. The inspiration that has become the church in all of these years is really all about making sure that everyone recognizes the light of the Holy Spirit in each person and how that can shine forth for everyone's good and for the greater good. The Jesus moment, movement, the Jesus movement is about preparing many people to carry out the message and the ministry so it never rests on just one. This passage is saying, you're special. You're special, each one of you. But that specialness is not for your own glory. It's not to celebrate who you are primarily. And it's not a competition. In Romans 12, Paul will write, outdo one another in showing honor to other human beings. That's the only place there should be a competition. You're special, but it's not for your own glory, but for the glory of God as we mix our specialnesses together. This becomes then a concerted effort. The church, the Christian church, or any community of faith is a concerted effort of many people coordinating the special light that they have within them. There's never been a more important time for a community of faith like ours to feel activated by this kind of message and to be ready to um, show ourselves, both audio and visual, have ourselves be seen and heard as a community of faith grounded in the kind of ministry of Jesus Christ that meant looking out and caring for one another being saved by the love of Jesus Christ and claiming that too. Because, and a week from Monday, we will be having a training here at Redeemer held by a group called Vote Common Good about confronting Christian nationalism. There is a building force and a, a strengthening in some communities that use the banner of Christianity as well in ways that do not agree with the way we live out our Christianity here. We oppose Christian nationalism because of the danger that it poses for a diverse and multi-everything community, and that is the United States. We do uphold and we celebrate the possibility of a community of Christians and many, many, many communities of Christians throughout the land. But Christian nationalism, we need to learn more about and be aware of. And so we, we put that training out there next Monday night. We, as Lutherans, as, as Christians in this community that we call Redeemer, feel more comfortable about the personal, the way we live out our faith personally and in relationship to one another. Redeemer's mission statement is to show and tell the love of God in Jesus Christ. What if communities like that were to rally and make themselves visible and audible?
my friends in Christ. It's the kind of thing that shows itself when, for instance, what is real and happening now here, a beloved couple who have lived out a part of their calling as married Christians to one another, devoted so much of their hours, their energy, their hearts and souls to the care of this church, to the care of all of the elements in the sanctuary here. I'm talking about Bill and Judy and their declining health has meant that more parts of this community of faith need to rally right now. Not only to take, kept, take up the, the efforts that they cannot do at this point in time, but to pray fervently for them, to support them with our care and our letters and our notes, and again with our prayers. The way that they have lived their lives over the decades, uh, Judy baptized here, married here, confirmed here, and then a life of service to this community of faith, all the behind-the-scenes things that I can't tell you about. This is what it means to be imbued with the Holy Spirit in a certain way, to have the light of Christ within you. And that is the kind of thing that we rally about and we would love to show forth, that things like this exist in this day and age where there are so many other things that divide us. There is still a love that comes from Jesus Christ that unites us as one. At staff on Tuesday morning, we were thinking about and talking about what the final song should be today. And I thought out loud about the song, This Little Light of Mine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And I thought, you know, most of the time when we sing that song, we're thinking about the particularity of my light, that I have a special light and I'm going to let it shine. And surely that is part of what this song is. But at the same time, and in light of the scriptures, we know that that light is Jesus Christ within us. So it is the same light, the same spirit within us that comes from our connection to Jesus. But like a prism, like a prism, a little glass thing that you hang in your kitchen perhaps and the light comes through it, it looks different shining through each of us. So the light of Christ that shines through the prism that is you contributes mightily to this wonderful good news that to each of us is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. If you're not feeling that today, if you like feel instead like there's a cloud in me, this little cloud of mine, I'm going to hide it deep. I'm going to shuffle back over to bed. What do you do about that? Do you just wait for the cloud to dissipate? I've talked to a lot of people recently, especially coming out of the pandemic, who said, my faith is shaky. I don't know where it is. I'm not in contact with it anymore. But they also, and they also, have not been among people of faith. They have not been at church or in prayer groups or reading spiritual things in their Bibles. It's no wonder. It'd be hard, right? It's hard to get fit if you never go to the gym, for instance. 
So being among the other spirits, the other lights that shine through is helpful. But I think the most helpful thing of all is the easiest thing of all, and that is prayer. And if you haven't prayed in a long time, it can feel so awkward. It can feel awkward as heck. Am I just talking to myself? But just to start, as St. Teresa of Jesus said, prayer is the way of making Jesus your friend and acknowledging the friendship you have with Jesus Christ. So it's a silent talking. God, I'm listening. Lord, I'm concerned about Bill and Judy. You don't have to have anything beautiful or poetic to say. It can be as raggedy and unfinished as anything. But it is the way to turn on the light again. Just talk to God. Talk to God. And if you hear only silence, wait. And wait. We need to be a community of faith that does not fear the changes that are ahead of us or right in front of us, but leans into hope. That's our first language, the belief in the things unseen. Let's not let our lights be unseen. Let Jesus shine through you today and always. Amen. Some brightly burning, some dark and cold. There is a spirit who brings a fire, ignites a candle, and makes his home.
are a family whose hearts are blazing. So let's raise our candles, light up the sky. Oh, praying to the Creator. Oh, in the name of Jesus. And there you have it, a sermon and a song. Hope you are inspired, fortified, challenged by these podcasts, and also willing to donate to support our ministry in the heart of Milwaukee. Online, go to www.redeemermilwaukee.org. An old-fashioned paper check means no fees for you or for me. Redeemer Church, 631 North 19th Street, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53233. That's Redeemer Church, 631 North 19th Street, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53233. Until next time, may our gracious God increase your hope, strengthen your faith, deepen your capacity for love, and grant you peace. Bye.